0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. For, for what you experienced last week and being in the 60s, but I left for Phoenix and two days ago I was sitting on the grass watching the Texas Rangers play baseball in spring training and then I got home yesterday afternoon and then came down to the church for a little bit or got home yesterday morning, came down to the church for a little bit and went home and it was like sideways snow. And it's like, <laughs> it's just a, a change in uh, not very far, 1,600 miles and as I was driving home in the snow, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm going to talk about Joseph. I know Pastor Jeff t- uh, touched, uh, talked about Joseph last week, but as we have being in the Hall of Faith and all these great characters, um, Joseph has really stood out to me. And I, and I preached a couple weeks, a month ago, on Daniel, and I had mentioned Joseph, saying, You know, what a great man of God. And and I just started studying about him and, and digging into him and, and finding different scriptures in the New Testament that kind of tie together his faith and his obedience and so as pastor Jeff is ramping up his Hebrews 11 I go to pastor Jeff and said well I this is what I wanted to preach on and so we kind of diverged on the same day it's kind of like it just worked out perfect but I feel Joseph is such a big big story and a big man of the of the, of the Bible that you could preach for months on them, so we am going to talk a little bit about Joseph today, and as I, as I was driving home in the snow yesterday from here back to my house, I'm thinking, you know, man, it was so much better in Phoenix, and this is awful, and, and I'm thinking, what about Joseph? Here's a guy that was, had it pretty good with his family, and he's thrown in a pit, and he's taken to a foreign land, and he has no rights, and all this. I'm thinking, okay, it's not so bad. I, I can handle some snow for a little bit, so... um if you look at the story, what I'm, if you want to go home later and, and read, it's Genesis 37 through 45 is kind of what I'm going to be trying to get through, and I'm going to be adding in some scriptures, Acts 27, Acts 28, and I will have some scripture up on the, on the board today, but if you just, just can think of Joseph before we start, he's 17 when he's sold into slavery, 17. By the time his brothers show up and his family shows up, he's 39, Think about that. 22 years. So if you've been out here today, and, and, and Pastor Jeff has done such an amazing job, and he's, he's, he's held up this book that we seem to be selling. It should be on the New York Times bestseller by the end of the week, so thanks to us. Um, but if you've got to get a promise from God, and God has a promise for you. Tons of promises, but you just got to get one. John three sixteen. It's a promise. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will never die. We'll have eternal life. You won't perish. That's a promise from God. you got to believe that. Romans ten, uh, nine and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ raised from the dead, you shall be saved. That's a promise from God. So you right away you might be sitting here thinking, I don't have a promise. You're like, but I believe that. Well, I do have a promise. There's more. I like the first promise it has in here because I've I've never gone away from this, this, uh, this scripture and says, therefore, this is number one in here. I don't know if they're in any order of importance, but to me it is. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are brand new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know, what a promise. That's a promise from God. I think sometimes um, we're looking for a promise and we're waiting for this big thing, like God's gonna give me the numbers to the Powerball and I'm gonna stand on that, you know, and so what Pastor Jeff has done so amazingly is just opened my eyes, and hopefully your guys is like, there's promises of God. Where am I missing it? Where, what, have I, where, what am I putting my attention on that God's already given me a promise, and I've just, like, ignored it, put it on the back burner, you know? And as you look at the story of Joseph, he had a dream when he was 17. He had a promise from God. And God spoke to him, and he believed it. And everything kind of went sideways in a hurry on him, and he had to stand on that. And so as we as we start into this, um, I kind of relate a little bit to, in, in Daniel too, is like being in a foreign land. Now, I'm pretty free here in Mason City to do as I please, you know? I can do good or I can do bad, I can do all these things, I can do what I want, I have, I have free will, I have a choice to do it. But... Joseph, just like Daniel, they really didn't have any freedom. They were slaves. They were sold into slavery. They were they were captives. And so, but they had one thing that they could do. They could they could believe God and stand on his word and and not waver. And that's what they did. And so as we look at Joseph, you know, he had two dreams when he was seventeen. And so we can take a lesson, but I'll, I'll just get right into my sermon. If we take a lesson for Joseph, we can see that there's a better way to learn lessons from other, be- from other people's obedience to God. And what I mean is a lot of times we feel like you can learn from your mistakes. I agree. We should learn from a mistake and not do it again. But sometimes I think we take for granted that we can learn from other people's mistakes, but we can also learn from, especially in the Bible, other people's obedience to God. We can see where did these go- people go right And follow that path, you know. I think a lot of times as Americans we feel like we want to see where everybody did wrong and then go the opposite. That's good too. But let's find out in the word of God where people went right. There's lots of kings and judges in the Bible that were anointed by God, but they chose not to follow after God. And all heck broke loose. And then you see the kings and the judges who followed along what God wanted for them to do and how their life was blessed. That's what I want to dig into. I want to see, okay, these guys did this, but these guys did this, and look what happened to them. I want to focus my life on the amazing things that people did in the Bible and, and, and follow after them. I'm not going to ignore the people that made the mistakes say, yeah, that makes sense. If you do that, then, and then it goes bad. I get that. But I want to follow upon those people who were obedient to God. And if you look at the life of Joseph, man, what an obedient man of God a guy that was dealt a bad hand, you know. He didn't ask to be taken into slavery. He didn't ask for these things. But he took what God had given him into that foreign land. And he stayed obedient to it. So when we're faced with a trial or a bad report, we can, I believe we can easily do it God's way if we are committed to his word for us. You're given a bad report you're given a bad situation, if you're standing firm on the promise that God's given to you, that's what you focus on, and you focus on that. A lot of times we focus on the situation, the circumstance, and sometimes we rightfully have to, but we don't need to focus on it that it takes us away from what God has given us, that vision, that focus, that dream, that word from God. Focus on that, and as you focus on that, you know that God gave it to you, that he's going to get you through what you're going through. That's what I, I have to do all the time, because when you get a bill or you get a, a report from the doctor, boom, it's right in your face. But you know, if God says, I have a great and mighty plan for you, and this is your, my vision for you, and it's going to take a few years to get there, and you get a negative report from the doctor, you're going to have to say, well, God, you gave me this dream, you gave me this vision, you gave me this word, How's that gonna come to pass if I if I get knocked out right now? And you have to believe in what God's word says and stand on that and press forward. Tape it to your mirror. Yes. I don't know what you gotta do. Tape it to your rear view mirror in your car. Do what you gotta do so that vision, that dream, that word from God is in your focus. You can't get away from it physically. It's always there. When I first started, when I first became a Christian, I got Spencer Neuberger's here, and I coached him in hockey. And I was a little harsh. It was a little rough around the edges. And when I became a Christian, I started changing my words. And I put a few scriptures in my wallet, and before every game, I would pull them out, and I'd stand there and read them. And then even during the game, I would pull them out of my wallet, and the kids would be on the bench, and they're out there doing their thing, and I said, pull them out of my wallet, and I would, I would just read, With my God, I can stand against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. You know, put it back in my wallet. Because I just needed that. It was a word I believed God had for me. With all things I can do, Christ who, who gives me strength. And I had that focus with me. And when I believed those things and I, and I had that focus, then the other promises of God I could start to take hold in my life. I stood on Philippians 4.13 for a whole year. You read that scripture, you're like, man, that's a good scripture. But seriously, for a whole year? That's where I was at. I didn't know the whole book. I didn't wasn't a theologian. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't learn, I didn't study these things throughout my whole life. I had one promise from God that I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and I believed it. It just took me a while to start believing some of the other stuff, but it came to pass. And if you see in the Bible, there's the Bible's full of stories of the good, the bad, and the ugly. People and places. But the Bible tells us that we can learn from the examples from all these people, but Let's focus a lot of times on, on the good, and Joseph is that guy. And if you look at 1 Corinthians 10, this is just a couple set-up scriptures, and I believe it's up here. In 1 Corinthians 10, it gives us some Old Testament examples. I think it's, uh, let me read this. Yeah, 3 through 4, it says, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink. He's talking about the Israelites. They all had the same thing. It goes on to say, verse 5, but with most of them, God was not pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. See, they all have the same promise from God. They chose to murmur and complain and all these things. They got into unbelief. You know, we can do the same thing. We get a promise from God, but we can get over into unbelief and, and murmur and complain and, and, and not see it come to pass. And all the Israelites who came out of Egypt were given the same opportunity. They all experienced the same miraculous provisions. Yet only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, persevered. Remember what God, the word that God gave them? Back in Numbers, I think it's fifteen. But number's thirteen. He says, "Take some spies and go into the land that I'm going to give you." He gives them a word. This is your land. Go check it out. See how beautiful it is. They come back, and Joshua and Caleb give the a good report. Ten of them give a bad report. It seemed like we were little towards in front of these guys. They were giants towards us. They made up a story. They didn't. They didn't know what the other people were thinking. They got over it in fear. They got over an unbelief, and it took the word of God that the God had for them. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that stood on that word. And because they had that promise from God, they entered into that land where other people failed. That's what that scripture in 1 Corinthians says. We can see examples from these people in the Old Testament in the past and learn from their examples how they disobeyed or ignored a word from God and, and, and weren't blessed. In this sense, they, they died. They, they missed out on something that God was willing to give them, and they missed out on it because they didn't believe what God's word said. Two of them chose to be faithful, or, or ten of them chose to be fearful. 1 Corinthians 10.6 says, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and 11 goes on to say, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, for our warning. You know, and the thing, look what these people did here in the Bible. They had a word from God, they ignored it. And he's saying to us, you know, you get a word from God, and you choose to put it down, and you choose to go out and do your own thing. It's not going to be good. We went around here and, 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 and had a survey today of all the people who said, you know what, I chose to do things my own way throughout life or part of my life how did it turn out for you? I'm here to tell you if you're one person or two people here today that's never followed after God and your life has been perfect or really good you've been blessed, just think if you add God to the mix, how much more you'd be blessed. You think you're content or I'm good where I'm at, I don't need God because I got a pretty good life okay that's great, add God to that allow God to take what what, what he's already blessed you with you just haven't realized it And allow him, and give him the glory, and allow him to take that life and super bless you. If you're super blessed, the people around you are going to be super blessed. Paul was using these Israelites as an example to these Corinthian believers. And then we look at Joseph. Joseph was a man who never went away from God's plan, and he ended up in slavery and prison. Think about that. You got a word for me, God. This is awesome. He goes to his brothers, and he says, I had this dream that these, these bundles of wheat, these sheaves, they bow down to, to me. And it was you guys basically saying to them, they bow down to me. And they're like, whatever, we don't even like you anyway, so run along. And he has another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down again. And this time he, t- he includes his dad and he says, you know what, dad? I had this dream that you all bow down to me, the sun, the moon, 11 stars, 11 brothers, and his dad rebukes him. says, what do you mean we're going to bow down to you? But there's one key line in that, in that scripture where he says, this is in Genesis. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. But his dad kept it in his mind, he says. His dad had it in here. It was in there. So he's thinking. So when, as you see later in the book, uh, in, in Genesis, when it comes to pass, all this stuff is going to come to pass, his dad must have thought back. I never, I never forgot that. He said that. And I believe that that's written in there as an important fact that it, his dad had it burned in his mind that his son was going to do something great. He not, was not the favorite son. His dad thought he was, His dad looked highly upon him. So when he came and spoke to him, there's something in the back of his mind that's thinking, my son's going to do great things. So I believe that his dad said, really? We're going to bow down to you? the question mark but in the back of his mind he's probably thinking hmm I'm going to keep that one in there I'm going to think about that You know, God planted that in his father's mind you know Joseph was in the wilderness 350 years before everybody else was in the wilderness think about it he gets sold into slavery his brother take him so Joseph knew the dreams he was having were from the Lord and they revealed God's purpose and plan and so the dream he had which is in Genesis 37 talks about that the wheat bows down The sun, the moon, and the stars, they bow down. It's all setting it up. So God gives Joseph a word. He gives him a dream. He gives him a vision, just like he would do to you and me. We're no different than Joseph. He's got a plan. He's got a word for you, and it's all in his word. It's by asking him, Father God, what do you have for me today? Father God, what is the purpose for my life? Father God, I'm in a mess here. Where did I go wrong? Where did I miss it? You just have to ask. If we're failing to ask God about anything, how are you going to listen to him and hear him? Don't be afraid. Before you go to bed at night, you know what, Father God, I need a good night's sleep tonight. Why don't you give me a dream of what I'm supposed to do? Why not ask? Are we afraid to ask God? Are we afraid that he might just give you something that, well, that's really different, and I don't know if I can handle that right now. He'll equip you to handle it. So ask God to give you a promise. Ask God to give you a dream. Pick up the book. If you haven't got one here, this is the last one. This is $150 today. (laughs) So less, $150? All right. I'll order some more. Get a promise. Get a dream. And so as we go through and look at the book of of Joseph, he's sold into slavery. So one minute he has this coat of many colors on. His identity with his father, right? Right? And he's standing there, and he gets this dream, and he tells his brothers, and I, I, I don't know much about a person's thought process. I just think Joseph was excited to tell his brothers, check it out, man, I had this dream, it's awesome. Some people think he was, was cocky and he was strutting or whatever. I don't know that. I just know he had this dream, and he tells his brothers about it. And he gets sold into slavery. They get him, they're going to kill him. One of his brothers says, let's not kill him, let's throw him in a pit. The one brother takes off Reuben. When Reuben's gone, they, they sell him to the Ishmaelites. They take him into a foreign land, and there he is, naked, on an auction block, stripped of his coat of many colors. His identity is gone, as the favorite son of the father. It's gone. He's nothing. But what does he have? He has a dream, and he has a vision. He has that. There's a choice to make, just like we have a choice every day to make. Pitch the dream succumb to the the pressures of life and the world around me, just fit in, be a good slave? Or do I keep that dream alive, do I keep that vision alive, and do I press on? Because I know God spoke to me. I know God gave me a vision. You have to believe that. You have to understand that. How many of us, me included, have have known that God has given us something, and we just kind of said, yeah, it's not time yet. Yeah, I just think I'll put that on the back burner. I think I can do it better, God. I got a better way of cutting this corner or doing it this way, and I'll get to the same place that you want me to get, God. And it doesn't work out that way. If that's you today, take your your dream or your vision that God has given you in the past and pull it out of the attic, dust it off, take it out of the mothballs, do what you got to do and place it before God and say, you know what, Father God, you gave me this dream back in 1987. I ignored it. Here I am. I thank you for this vision. Let's get it done together. He's always working on us. He's always working in us. He's always working through us. He has a purpose and a plan for us. He's given us tons of them. You just need one right now. Whatever that is, he's going to work it in your life. So Joseph is, is, is sold into slavery. He ends up in, in Potiphar's house. And he's doing pretty good in Potiphar's house, is he not? It says this about, I'm kind of jumping around, but I'll get back here in a minute. As we get through there, he says, he had a purpose. So I'll just read this. He had a purpose, he had a vision, and even if it wasn't received by others, like his brothers, he still had it. Just like you. If you have a vision or a purpose, you share it with someone, and they're like, eh, hey, I don't get that. It's your, it's your vision, it's your dream. Don't go by on what other people think, don't go by on situations circumstances. Because you were created for a divine purpose as well. Just like Joseph. We look at the heroes of the Bible and we we read about them and say, man, that guy was awesome. And then we close the Bible and we go do something else. When you read about someone in the Bible, I encourage you as you close your Bible, think, I'm no different than Joseph. You're not. If you're a Christian today and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and you have all these New Testament promises and the New Covenant and Jesus has fulfilled all these things for us, You got it better than Joseph. You got more stuff at your hands and inside you than Joseph had. You're no different than him as a person. He just chose to follow after God. He chose to believe what God told him and go after it. We can do the same. As long as you can live without knowing his will for your life, you will. Think about that. If you're not asking and you're not listening, you're not going to know what God wants for your life. And as long as you feel like you're doing it on your own or we're doing it on our own and we don't think we need a promise from God, you'll live like that. He's a gracious God. He's a gentleman in the Holy Spirit. He's not going to force his will upon you. But he will give you ideas and, and, and things like that that you have to receive, believe, and walk them out. So we're talking about Joseph. And we're, we're, I was thinking back to Not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday uh, at our staff meeting, we were talking about. uh, Pastor Janie had said about seeing the seeing yourself not. I I forget exactly how she said it, but not being like overcome by the world. And she was talking about you know don't let the world weigh you down. And I and I said, well, I kind of had this vision of this guy laying on the ground with this big globe on his chest, and he couldn't move. And and this is kind of what Janie was talking about. I can't remember exactly what she's saying. but And the, the guy was being crushed by the weight of the world. You can see a big globe if you just think about that. And then I had another picture. This was before Janie even uh, talked about this. Of a guy standing on top of that same globe. And I thought to myself, it's just a change of your position. You know, with Christ and with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, that's how we should be. We're on top of the world. We're on top of the things. And it's for us who are trying to do it under our own strength, that you're being crushed by the world. Just change your position. Your position as a Christian is not being crushed by the world, even though you may feel it at times. Your position is on top of the world, in, a, in heavenly places, looking down. And I thought about that, and I said, man, that's such a, it was a good vision for me, Father God. I thank you for that vision, because that's how a lot of us see that. There's so much pressure and weight on top of us, because we're trying, trying to do things in our own strength. But just change your position from being crushed, being underneath, to taking your rightful position above it all. Think of Peter on top of the water, above it all. Focuses on all the situations circumstances. He's sinking. Calls out to Jesus. Jesus picks him up and puts him back in the boat. If you feel like you're being crushed by the weight of the world, just call out to Christ, wherever you're at. Say, Father God, I don't like my position. Help me change positions. I know you've called me up here. I know because of the belief in my heart, confession of mouth, that this is my rightful position. How do I get there in the natural? How do I get these thoughts out of my head? Joseph's dream was truth and the first thing that happened to him, he was nearly killed by his brothers and sold into slavery. Think about that. You get a dream from God, you get a vision from God. Isn't that how the enemy works? I got this great and mighty plan and I'm gonna go for it and then you step out in faith and do something and it seems like, man, did I did I really hear from God? Is this what he wants me to do? And the attacks and the lies of the enemy, they come against you and you got to fight through that. Same plan, same God. Just think about Peter on the on the on the water. Same Jesus. Come. And then he sinks. Jesus didn't change. God never changed. Just the thoughts. Of, of, of a man. And when his thought changed, he didn't see Jesus in the same light. He just thought of himself as a man again. And that's what we need to do. We need to see God for who he is and what he wants to do in our life because he never changed. There's a great sermon by Mark, Mark Hankins and he wrote this. He talks about, and I talked about this before, people who are called pioneers, settlers, and museum keepers. And this is what he says. He says, He says, Museum keepers are content to dust off the memories of previous generations and talk about the exploits of the past. They live off the experience of others and never see God's power operate in their own lives. They don't have a vision. They don't have a word from God. Or at least they don't think they do. Then he says, then there's settlers. Settlers travel for a while but become weary of the journey and stop too soon. They get comfortable and never press on to the possibilities ahead. Some of the tribes of Israel settled too soon and never crossed the Jordan with Joshua. Joshua. See, they quit or they compromise. But then there's pioneers. Pioneers are those who venture into unknown or unclaimed territory. They have a promise and they press on to complete the mission, to fulfill the vision. The pioneer spirit. The spirit of faith never stops pressing on. With God all things are possible. It says that in Matthew 9, 26. See, the spirit of faith is a pioneer spirit. So Pastor Jess was talking about that. These these people who had great faith, who stumbled at times. But they still had that great faith. And when they put their focus and attention back on God and they and they believed his word, great things happen. The spirit of faith will make you leave your comfort zone. You know? It's like you get your collar like, oh, this isn't very, I don't like this right now. I'm uncomfortable. You know? If you're comfortable, if you're complacent, if you're just happy go lucky right now, and you feel like just kind of sliding under the radar, ask God to give you something more. Step it up a notch. And we got so much more to do in the kingdom of God. I think there's people here just waiting for Jesus to come back. Oh, I wish he would just come back today. This 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 country, this election cycle, this everything is just too much. He just needs to return now and get it over with. That's a selfish attitude on my part if I'm believing that because there's so many more people that don't know Christ. We got to get out and and get people saved. That's your mission. Come back so when God comes back, there's seven, when Jesus comes back, there's seven billion people waiting for him. Not just one or two billion. Wouldn't it be awesome if he comes back and he's like, whoa, everybody's ready to go. That's our job. So if you don't think you have a mission or a plan, there's one right there to share the love of Christ with people. Ephesians 5, 7 says, be imitators of God. Walk in love. Verse 8 says, says you are now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 15 through 17 summed up, says, walk not as fools, but as wise. Joseph had all these things. He had the light of God, he had a dream. He walked in love because he served other people and he was wise. He was a wise man that promoted him. And once you have that promise, pursuing God will bring fulfillment and keep you on track. Think about that. If you're not pursuing God and you don't have a promise from God, you just just do this. You just do this, and then you stay, and then you come up, and you're like, hey, things are going good today, and they go down. But if you, know, if you have a word from God, if you have a vision from God, you have a promise from God, when something tries to knock you out, you might teeter a little bit, but you focus back on that promise of God, you're going you're gonna to be more consistent. God told me this. I have a promise. I'm going for it. Nothing else is going to come get me. So I wrote this down. Stay on the track. Reach the station and he'll give you another destination. Think about that. Just Stay on the track. What happens when a train gets off the track? It's not good. Derailment is not good. Stay on that track. Reach the station. He's got a place for you. And once you get there, he's going to give you another destination. Sometimes we think our destination is like way out here. But if you were going to drive a train across the country, you got a few stops to make. And he's giving you a plan. So reach that that station, and he'll give you another destination. Look at Paul at the end of the book of Acts, 27 through 28. He was heading to Rome. And I'm going to read this right now, just so I know what, exactly what it says. Romans twenty-seven, ten. Just see how Paul's attitude and, and, his, and his thought process change. He says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. He says, I perceive. So this is Paul telling these guys what he's thinking. Okay? And then it goes on for a little bit. And we get down to verse 22. It says this. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, this is God, do not be afraid, Paul or angel of God, you must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man, for I have faith in in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. What's the difference? It's a lot of what we have going on in our life. He perceives something, he spoke it out, he goes to bed that night, he gets a dream or a word from God that God says, no one's going to die, but you're going to be shipwrecked. So there's something different. There's 276 guys on this boat with them, and when they end up swimming to the island of Malta, they did a head count. There's 276 guys with them. They didn't lose anybody, because God said. (coughs) And Paul had the 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 guts to to speak it out as these guy to these guys. Don't panic. There's guys on this boat. It says in Scripture, (coughs) excuse me, couldn't swim. They're in a storm, and the boat's sinking, and the boat is torn apart, and if you can't swim, and the, and the water's calm, it's not a good thing, right? This is a bad situation. And, it's too, and he says, if you stay with the ship, you're going to die. So basically, he's telling the people who can't swim, you've got to get off. You're going to get to shore. As long as, you, as long as you follow what I said, you're going to make it, and they get to shore. And so, we're already thinking, man, this guy hears from God. It's awesome. So what happens next? They're sitting around the fire and Paul grabs some wood and he goes to throw it on the fire and a big viper comes out of the wood and attaches to his hand. And what does Paul do? Seriously? Come on, God. I just got all these guys here and now you're going to kill me with a snake? shook it off. He shook it off and where'd it go? Went into the fire and it died. See, if you have to get this, that Joseph's dreams are the same thing. The dream he had was, I'm going to keep focused on God. And everything else that comes around me, I'm just going to shake it off. I think of us Christians when we get overrun because we just don't shake some of the stuff off that comes on us. The little thing. She said, what? He said this. Shake it off. I think Taylor Swift said it the best. (laughs) I think she said that the haters are going to hate, hate, hate. And I'm just going to shake, shake, shake. I'm going to shake it off. Shake it off. Spencer, that just happened right here. Shake it off. I'm not going to quote Taylor Swift the rest of my life. Or ever. But seriously. That's what Paul said. Just shook it off. He's just sitting around a fire. And this thing that could kill him comes upon him. And they're like, this guy's a murderer. He's going down now. Finally, God's going to get him. Shake it off. Sickness, disease, financial lack, all these things. Shake it off. Get your promise from God. Stand on it. If you have a promise from God that you're going to do something, believe it. And stick to it. The enemy comes to steal your plan, upset your life, and try to kill your dream. You as a believer, you need to shake it off. You see, to stand with God and allow him to work in your life. Take courage, he says to these guys in the Phillips Bible, for I believe God, and I'm certain that everything will happen exactly as I've been told, but we shall have to run the ship ashore on the land. He didn't say it's going to be perfect. He didn't say some luxury cruise liner is going to pick us up and we're going to have five-star meals the rest of the way. It was hard. They had to make it to shore. They had to survive a couple days on Malta, which wasn't very friendly to them, I believe. And then they made it. Because if you go back to what it says, you must stand before Caesar. That was the word he got. He says, you're going to Rome. Come hell, come high water, come snake bite, come shipwreck. I have a word from you, Paul, and you're going to Rome, and you're taking every one of these guys with you. You believe that? Tell, the, tell, your, tell your team. And what did Paul do? He ended up in Rome. And he preached there for two years. And what did he preach? He preached Jesus to him. To a bunch of people that could care less for the most part. And he preached the word of God. He preached Jesus to them. That was his word that he got in the midst of a storm, in a situation that looked bad. When everyone was trying to knock him out, and the wind, the waves, the snakes, and he believed the word from God. And if you look at Joseph, it's the same thing. I have a dream. And it's that I'm going to be something someday. And people are going to bow down to me. The sun, the moon, the tribes of Israel. And he goes forth. And your God-given dream, it's going to help you restrain your flesh too. Because if you know that you're on the path from God and something tries to tempt you over here, it's not going to be as easy to to head in this direction. Because you know what? That doesn't line up with God told me. I'm going to stick to this. God didn't say I was going to get all these negative things coming in my life and try to shake me off. See, if you're just doing things fly by the night and by the seat of your pants and you're out doing things you shouldn't be doing, it's easy to succumb to temptation. It's easy to fall into that trap. But if you believe what God told you and you believe what God's word says, you're going to stand firm. Just think about this. Joseph told, was told he was going to have a dream, that people were going to bow down to him, and for most of his life, from the, from the time he was 17 to 30, all he did was bow down to other people. Think about that. The one thing that God told him he was going to do, he was bowing down to other people forever. Seriously, God? How many times would you be saying that in 12 years? Come on, man. You gave me a dream. And all I'm doing is serving drinks and, and bowing down to people. And these people don't even like you matter of fact, they wanted nothing to do with you. But he didn't think that way. He didn't have that attitude. He served. The vision, the dream that he had from God helped him restrain his own thoughts, and he was allowed to, to keep pressing forward. Joseph understood that what God had spoken to him and declared about him was true no matter what the circumstances indicated or what his family thought. You see, the thing is, the five sen- your five, sense- five senses... And the thoughts and and opinions of other people, how much weight do they have in your life? I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't feel it. I can't hear it. I can't smell it. And this person, this person is telling me that I'm completely wrong. Or do I believe what God says? Do I believe the sixth sense, the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's telling me this. What has more sway in your life? What has more weight? I know for me, it's like this sometimes. I want it to be Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. But I get in this mindset sometimes too. But, 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 but. And that's where Paul was at. And that's where Joseph was at. He had to believe what God's word said and he did. And it was through his word from God, his dream, that he could go forward. As we go forward in the, th- in, in the story, we see that uh, he's tempted. Joseph, as we go th- through the book of Joseph, he's in Potiphar's, in Potiphar's uh palace and he's living large and Potiphar's wife comes and tries to seduce him and he says how can I do this? How can I sin against God? See right, right away he puts God in the forefront I can't do this and he flees he flees the immorality. I think it says somewhere in scripture that too and she lies about him and he gets thrown in prison. So now he's in alright he's a slave in this place but now he's a slave in the prison it's gotten worse for him right? And how did it get worse? because he was obedient to God, he stood on what God said, and then he's there for a couple years, and this, the, the, the butler and the baker of, of this leader tick him off, and they get thrown in prison, and Joseph's supposed to serve these guys, and so when he's there serving them, they say, well, we have this dream, and it's, it's kind of weird, I'm going to find it so I can get to it here. He said, Well, okay, so there he's in prison. And I'm jumping ahead here. Excuse me for a second. And as he's, so he lived this God dependent life. And uh, later in Genesis, and in Genesis 40, the chief butler and the chief baker of the king of Egypt offended their Lord, and they were thrown in prison. There they both had a dream, but no one could interpret them. Genesis 48 says this Do not interpretations belong to God. Right away he brings God back into the mix. Yeah, I can't interpret this dream. You can't interpret this dream. But God surely can interpret it. God had given him a dream so he knows that God works through dreams. We look at the book of Daniel and we look at Daniel. Daniel said the same thing. There's not a person alive that can interpret this dream. But God can. So they tell him the dream and the butler's dream was that he crushed grapes into Pharaoh's cup and gave it to Pharaoh. The baker's dream was that the that the birds ate up Pharaoh's baked goods off the top of his head. So when I interpret that myself, I'm thinking, okay, looks like the butler blessed the Pharaoh, but the baker, his dream wasn't blessing the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh got nothing out of it. In three days, they went, so Joseph says, well, here's the dream that, to, to the butler, he says, your dream in three days is you're gonna, go in front of the, you're gonna go in front of the, of your boss again, and you're gonna be restored. And baker, going to get hung. Well, thanks, Joseph. Basically, you got to read through this. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible to, to read through, but that's what it says. So in three days, they go in front of there, and it happened just the way the dream happened. The butler presented the guy with the cup, and the baker was taken out and hung. You know, thanks for that, Joseph. sure that was me? That my right, dream? That's what happens. And so Joseph says to this guy, hey, I have a you know, I was wrongly imprisoned here. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I was wrongly enslaved here. When you, Mr. Butler, when you get in front of this guy, will you just tell him and help me out a little bit? And the guy didn't say anything. So for two more years, Joseph languished in this prison. Think about that. I helped this guy out. Why didn't he help me out? So for two more years, he's, he can have these negative thoughts creep into his head about, man, this is awful. This, I've been wronged. God's dream's never gonna come to pass. But he didn't do that. He stayed faithful and he served. And then Pharaoh himself the king of Egypt, the main man, has his dream. And he says, I'm having this dream and it's, it's perplexed. And the butler now remembers, oh, I remember when I was in prison two years ago? Well, I met this guy named Joseph and he interpreted my dream so maybe he can help you out. So they immediately call for Joseph. And Joseph comes in front of the pharaoh and he says, this is my dream. And he says, there's seven cows and they look pretty good, they're healthy. And, but then there's these seven skinny, nasty cows that come up out of the river and they devour the, the seven good cows. And he says also, he says, there's seven good year, uh, ears of wheat or corn here for in Iowa. And, but there's seven bad ones that have been blighted by the east wind. And he says, those ones devoured the good ones. Well, what does this dream mean? And, and, and Joseph says, well, it's not me. He says, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So right away, Joseph brings God right back to the front. He says, It's God. God will interpret this for you. And he says this, and by the spirit, Joseph interprets the dream. He says, the seven good cows and the, and, the, and the seven good stocks of grain are seven years of great crops and plenty, and the seven bad cows and the seven bad stocks of grain are drought, famine, and death. And he told Pharaoh to appoint a discerning, wise man to oversee it all and take one-fifth of the seven years of good to keep for the seven years of famine. So he gives him, not only interprets the dream, he gives him a word a prophetic word, he gives him a word of knowledge, however you want to say it, and he says, you need to find somebody who can run the ship here and do these things, and it's gonna turn out well for you. And the Pharaoh says, well, where can we find this man in him who has the spirit of God? Oh, Joseph, he's right in front of me. And if you read through the scripture, he says, you know, he, he noticed that Joseph had lived out this godly, o- obedient, servant life towards not only God, but to everybody there. And so he says, "You're the man with the spirit of God in you. You are now going to be in charge of everything. The only person that's going to be above you is me, myself." So right away, because of his his devotion and his his uh, obedience to God and to others, he's promoted to number two in the land, above Potiphar, above the prison guard, above the butler, above the baker, above Potiphar's wife. Think about that. What would most of us be thinking? Payback. <laughs> right? These guys did all this to me. They caused my life complete room. I'm getting it back. Nope. He did exactly what they needed to do. He was in charge of the land. Sold grain. They had the great seven years. And then into the second year of that famine, so seven years of a bumper crop, they're two years into the famine. People are starving around the world. And lo and behold... It includes his family back in his, in his former land. And they show up, his brother's looking for food. And Joseph notices them, but they don't recognize him. And so as they go forward, he, uh, excuse me, they come before him, and it says that they, they bow down before him. They're like, oh, Lord. And you think about that. He was 30 years old when he stood in front of Potiphar, Seven years of good crop, two years of bad crop. He's 39 years old. And lo and behold, his brothers come and fulfill that dream. They bow down before him. And here's his attitude towards him he's not happy, he's not sad. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but he kind of messes with them a little bit. He's happy to see them, it's like they're still alive. He sends them home with some food. They come back. What's the thing they do when they come back? It says this in in Genesis 43. They bow down low to the earth below him. Again, he finally reveals himself to him. He says, go get my dad. Go get my family. The Pharaoh finds out and he says, bring him here. I'm going to bless these people. This is 22 years after he received his dream. I don't know about you, but I get something from God, and after 22 days, I'm like, seriously, come on, man! I got stuff to do. 22 years serving God, serving others. But Joseph didn't just serve God for 17, from time he was 17 to the time he was 39. He served God from whenever he could stand and walk till he was 17, and that's why God gave him a dream. And a vision, he said, this is a godly man, I can use this man. And he downloaded in him a promise, not only to save his family, not only to save Egypt, but to save the surrounding area. And when you look through the lineage of Jesus into Matthew, there's this guy by the name of Judah there, who's listed in the family tree of Jesus. And Judah is one of Joseph's brothers. And so when you think about the obedience that Joseph had, was not only to save those people, it was to save you and me. It's through his obedience, it's through his promise that God gave him that allowed his family, Judah and the rest of them, to be saved and set up us all the way down the line. And I'm standing here and you're standing here today because of Joseph's obedience. So when you think about that, you think, man, where is my obedience to God going to lead me? You're in in, in Jesus' family tree right now. You've been grafted in, right? So for us to preserve the family tree of Christ, we need to have that obedience that Joseph has. We need to find out what the promise of God is for life. We need to ask him to give us dreams and visions. And when he tells us, we need to stand our ground and follow through. And when we do, you're going to see that family tree for Jesus grow. If Jesus comes back tomorrow... I'm going to be really happy and excited. But there's people, there's people in your family right here that you are thinking of today that won't be with you. we got to go out and corral them and bring them in with love and and grace, mercy, and show them that there's a better way. I didn't get through everything I want to talk about, but I hope you got the, the message of what I'm trying to say, is that if you pursue God... He's going to give you dreams. He's going to give you visions. He's going to give you a word. A word can come from God himself. He's going to speak it into your heart. A word can come from Pastor Jim speaking to me a word. I can get a word when I'm praying in the spirit. There's all different ways to get a word from God, but when you get that word, believe it, stand on it, and focus on it. The last thing I'm going to read is this, and Jason, you can bring the worship team up, is from this book called Ridiculous Miracles by a woman called Clarice Fluitt. She's, she's hilarious. She's a great pastor, but she, she is, she's got some good words. And I'm just going to read this as the worship team's coming up. Do you believe the steps of the righteous have been ordered by God? When you are walking with God, you do not get a day off. Every day is a work day. You do not belong to, any, to you anymore. You are alive for God's purposes. He says, I need a body to manifest my will. I need a set of hands, I need eyes, and I need ears. If you will just take me where I want to go, he's talking about God, I'll do what I got to do. Wonderful things happen when God mixes with man. Nothing on this, on this earth manifests without a body. The demons have to, to have one. Jesus has to have one as well. Which one are you going to yield to? It's either or. We're either going to manifest the, the old man or we're going to manifest Christ. So we are learning to walk as sons. We have been called and equipped to create with God. When things look terrible, do not be moved by what you see. What a lesson from Joseph there. If he was going to be moved by the surroundings, he would have been crushed. He would had that globe on his chest. Ah, this is too much. But he knew that he had a rightful position with Father God, that he could be above the circumstances and the situation. And as he walked and pursued God and stayed obedient to that, he knew that his dream would come to pass. So if you're here today, and you believe that God's told you something, if he's given you a word for your life, I see some kids that are over there in college getting ready to go to college, maybe God's pointing in your heart where you need to go to college. Maybe he's telling you what you want to do in life, and maybe there's other people are, are pulling you this direction, or, or you've always wanted to be this growing up. I would suggest that you ask Father God to just to clarify that vision for you because he gives visions to everybody. If you're looking for a new job, if you're going to be married soon, I see a couple back there that's going to be married this summer. What does my marriage look like, God? What do you want me to do? What do you want us to do as a couple? Don't short sell Jesus or God and think that he only does these great, hairy, mighty things. Hey, he raised people from the dead. Well, he'll raise you from the dead too, from your... Walking dead here. And he'll give you a new life. That's what Father God does. Stand on your promise. And when things come at you, and people throw stuff at you, and, you're, and your own family members say that you're nuts, and you're crazy, and all these other things, you know what, you say, you know what, I got a word from God. Just tell, I told my mom that, well I believe this is what God told me. My, mom's not a, my mom grew up in the church, but I wouldn't call her as a, a, a believer, in, as a born again believer, like, and standing on all the promises of God. I think she knows who Jesus is. I think she knows Jesus as Lord. But when when I told her I was going to be a pastor, she was just like, okay, you want some more coffee? (laughs) (laughs) You know? Your own family are the worst ones to convince, aren't they? That's okay. You were put in your family for a reason, for two things, to share Jesus and break that curse. I hear people all the time, man, my family's been cursed. Well, you know what? You don't have a family curse on you anymore. You have Jesus on the inside of you. Joseph's family... Man, those people could have been—they were cursed. When I look at them, like, they were mean. But he didn't fall into what they were doing. He decided, "I'm going to go over here and I'm going to follow God." Well, he really didn't decide that, but when he got there, he decided to follow God. So, if you need some prayer today, if you just need someone to to come and agree with you for that, to stand with you and on what God's told you, He's got a word for you, and it's true, and it will come to pass no matter what. Amen. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for all the great things you're doing in our life. Father, we thank you that as we take your word, we may have put it in mothballs, we may have put it in the attic, we may have backed over it with the car, Father God, but we just thank you and praise you that you're just dusting it off. We place it before you, and you have already anointed that dream, and we just come in agreement with your anointing, not only on that vision, but on our lives, and we thank you, Father God, when you say go, we go, and that you'll show us how to do it, and you'll keep us on track, we will reach the station, Father God, and you will give us another destination. And we just thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to... Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.